We're I past this, time, bro. Yeah, we are. This, this right here says 710. They're, they're queuing us in. 701. Welcome to Bethel Radio Hour. Uh, we are missing uh, Tara on the right here and Todd on the left. Uh, Tara has a sick baby, Sadie, again, so we ask you to pray for her uh, in the hospital. And uh, She's in the hospital again? She's in the hospital. Oh, my goodness. Todd is at work, so uh, you be praying for those folks. Uh, we well, cried out for re reinforcements but didn't get any, didn't so get here we are. Yeah, that's right. It's, you're stuck with Gavin and I. Uh, Trying to think of a, a of a snazzy nickname for us, the, the, the boredom too. Gruesome too. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, but nonetheless, uh, we've got kind of a, a unique situation tonight. Um, just to kind of give you the whole load, uh, the Baptist Missionary Association is the association that Bethel Baptist Church has been a part of since 1950. I truly do not know. I'm assuming that Bethel was either an independent Baptist church or a Southern Baptist church before that time. And I, I do not know the history as to why they went into the BMA at that time because that was before my time. Uh, so when I got here in 1988, uh, they were full-fledged Baptist Missionary Association. What is that? It's just simply another Baptist Association. Now, you understand, of course, that if we brought in an independent Baptist, he would have an opinion of what an associational Baptist is. If we brought in a Southern Baptist, they would have an opinion of what an association Baptist is. The difference being, neither one of them are associational Baptists. And so, I have been associational Baptist all my days, and I'm telling you that Associational Baptists are just this, independent Baptist churches that choose to associate with one another. And we agree on a doctrinal statement, and uh, we can be kicked out of the association if we what? go yeah, if we go away from that Who doctrinal would want to statement. Kick us out? Well, that's just it. Uh, be, so some uh, groups, let's put it that way, have had issues when a church goes quote-unquote liberal. They, they didn't know what to do. BMA doesn't have any problem with that. They just kick you out. <laughs> and so if a church gets up one day and says, we don't any longer believe in the inerrancy of God's word, then they are no longer a BMA church. That's how we, if you will, keep our ranks quote-unquote pure. And very honestly, that is the most important area for me is the doctrinal statement. Do they believe that God is a triune God? Do they believe that uh, Jesus is the only way to heaven? So on and so forth. One of my most used pieces of advice is if God takes you from this fellowship, when you get to your new place, you get settled in, you get all the boxes unpacked, the next Sunday, find you a church. The first thing you ask the pastor is, could I see a doctrinal statement? If he looks at you and says, oh, a what? Then it's time to move to the next church. If he says, uh, give me an hour and I'll see if I can find one, it's time to move to the next church. If he says, hang on a second, I'll be right back, and brings you a doctrinal statement and it lines up with yours, then in my humble opinion, that's a church that you can prayerfully consider being a part of. Um, and you may have to do that several times. Now, why did I say all that? I'm trying to prepare you for what you're going to hear uh, because we are very much a part of the Baptist Missionary Association. Every one of you and, uh, that attend on a faithful basis and you hear me preach, you know that I do not harp on this. I do not make, quote-unquote, being a part of the BMA, I don't go to seed on it. With that said, though, it is very important to me, and it is very important to our church. So I was contemplating, and still am, uh, not going to the National Association, our once-a-year business meeting on a national level. Probably the first 14 years in a row here I went. 
I love the associational meeting. It's almost like a, a revival service type thing. Uh, but then, you know, schedule and this, that, or the other uh, knocked me out for about two years. I went off of a committee, so it wasn't as important that I go. And uh, to be very honest, I kind of liked that. <laughs> I, re I really did. I, I kind of liked not going. But, but I, I do see the need, so I went the next year, and I can't, can't really remember the process, but for sure last year I went. So I was kind of thinking I, I might skip out again. Well, so today, or actually yesterday, I get a, a report via text that at 7 o'clock, <clears throat> our BMA Department of Missions Executive Director, in other words, he's the boss, of our missions program is going to be giving a 20-minute podcast. Well, I'm like, hmm, that's kind of interesting. Well, I didn't get to listen to it live, but I listened to it later uh, with the blues game going on in the background. I listened to this podcast, and there seems to be some financial issues going on right now, and I thought it quite interesting. And my first thought was, well, I guess I'm going to the National Association this year because, yeah, I'm figuring that surely they're going to be talking. You got all. the cash. You're going. You <laughs> bet. You bet. I think I can take care of this. Um, but seriously, uh, I did call the department today, and they said, no, 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 we're not going to be hashing all this at the associational meeting. We just want our churches to be aware what's going on. So. We're going to use our radio program tonight to catch you up as to what's going on. And we invite questions afterwards. I hope and pray this is informative to you. I've got copious notes about it. So afterwards, if you've got questions, let, let's talk about it. If it takes up the whole time, it takes up the whole time. I don't think it will. So uh, any questions before we start the clip? This is our executive director talking about some immediate financial needs for our missions department. All right, here we go. Our current financial situation, and uh, we indeed are, are facing some challenges uh, in our finances, and we want to be very transparent with you uh, to let you know what's going on, what steps have been taken, etc. Also, as you look at your screen on the left side, uh, or to this side, uh, is the place where you can write in your questions and certainly we invite you uh, as this progresses you get a little bit more informed uh, certainly at the end I will stay here and answer all the questions that you have and we invite you to do that just simply by typing your questions in there on your screen so let me get right to it and uh, and begin by, by saying once again that we are thankful for all of your support for BMA missions uh, over the last 15 years or so in BMA missions, uh, we have come to rely quite heavily on some extraordinary large individual gifts in order to help us reach our budget. And so as we have progressed over these last few years, uh, what has happened is we've become over-reliant really on some of those large gifts in order to meet our budget. Our, our, our average uh, income over the last 10 years is approximately $10 million. Out of that $10 million that we receive in the missions office annually, uh, about 2.5 million or 25% of our total income is what is given to the budget from our churches. And so you can see that all the other part, of course, is designated to missionaries. We do not have any discretion over those funds. They're already designated when they get here. We administer, uh, administer those for you. Uh, but really, we have a budget from our churches of about 2.5 million. And then through special gifts and individual gifts, our budget has been approximately $5 million uh, for the last several years. Well, uh, this is what has happened to us. Um, the, the extraordinary gifts that we have been receiving are, are very closely tied to the oil and gas industry. So I don't have to tell you what happened in 2015 to the oil and gas industry, and therefore some of those large contributions that we have been receiving, we did not get uh, this time. And when we say we didn't get it on World Mission Sunday is usually the day that those come in. And so we got a portion of those large contributions and therefore, 
uh, we have, we have uh, found ourselves in this challenging financial position. Now, I know that as your mind works, so I want to try to answer some questions that I think you're probably already asking and also maybe even some conclusions that you're drawing and I want to be very forthright here in the beginning and say to you and try to answer some of those things that I think uh, that as I anticipate some of the questions that you have. The first thing I want to say before I get to the details of what exactly is the financial situation and what are we doing about it, uh, the first thing that I want to say is what this is not, okay? So let's answer it from the negative standpoint and say what this is not. Number one, here's what I want to say to you first, that this financial situation we're in is not the result of the 65-35 plan. Um, the 65-35 plan has actually allowed us to send a lot more missionaries because all of them are, are very, very, very uh, much less dependent on the general fund. They only get 35% of their total in, uh, a salary uh, out of the general fund, and so that's allowed us to send more missionaries. Uh, who is feeling the crunch now potentially uh, would be those who are more reliant on the general fund because what we're talking about now is that it is uh, the, it, the offerings to the general fund, that's the thing we're talking about. And, and so uh, what we've said over the last 10 years, the offering from the churches have pretty much stayed the same. So even under 65-35, the amount the churches were given to the budget hasn't decreased. And so some people would say, well, it was 65-35, they, they stopped giving to the general fund, but that is not the case. That is not the case. And so uh, pretty much stayed the same. Also, you know, as we just said, the ones who are under 65-35 really have an advantage because they're less dependent on the general fund. As a matter of fact, we had one young missionary, and I won't call his name just simply because I didn't ask his permission, uh, but he has been supported, he and his family, by 65-35. But the amount of funds that he raises is extremely strong. So he called in and said, hey, I want to be fully supported by the funds that we raise. And so that allowed him to do that. And so a very unselfish act on, on his part. Uh, but the first thing that I wanted to say was that 65-35, that's, that's, not, that's not the problem here. The problem is that we are over-reliant on those large individual gifts and uh, we got approximately half uh, in those gifts that, that we've been getting in previous years. We got approximately half of that this year. The second thing I want to say to you that this is not, okay? This is not a result of the integration effort, okay? Because of the integration effort of moving to Conway, um, of course, uh, consolidating our resources with other BMA departments while we remain different departments, has allowed the Department of Missions to save approximately $300,000 in daily expenses per year. And so financially, the integration move uh, has been extremely advantageous for us. Also, just simply to remind you that the investment that was made in this building where we are in the Global Ministry Center, uh, not a penny of that came out of missions funds, not a penny of that came out of the budget, not a penny of that came out of, uh, of course, never for missionaries uh, funds, but that was a special gift given toward this purpose. And so just the first two things I wanted to say is that this is not a result of 65-35. As a matter of fact, if we have not taken the steps of 65-35, uh, we'd be much worse off. It is also not the result of the integration movement. We would also be much worse off financially if we had not taken that step as well. So what is the current situation is the next question we want to ask and answer. So here, here is the gist. Uh, because we didn't get that large gift that we've become reliant on over the last numerous years, then we are projecting, and we started projecting uh, back at the 1st of January, basically a $1 million deficit for the financial year of 2016. Now, we didn't know for sure if we were going to need to implement some of the contingencies that we had written uh, in case this happened until World Mission Sunday because those, those large gifts always come in at World Mission Sunday. So, so we were working 
from the last Sunday in February, more or less, is when we implement some of the contingency plans that we had written up. And so, so that is the gist. Uh, we are projecting basically a $1 million deficit out of our budget, okay? Out of our budget for the year 2016. Now, the good news is that we had almost $1 million of reserves, of course, that we have been working off of uh, until we can make the necessary budget cuts to get within our numbers, our income numbers. And so uh, we are not spending in the red, uh, but if we didn't make changes soon, as soon as we knew what was happening with our finances, then obviously we would get to the end of 2016 and, and certainly we would be in deficit spending as far as the cash that we have on hand. And so uh, we are thankful for those reserves. And so we've had, we've had no choice, obviously, except to attempt to, to uh, rein in our spending and, uh, and to get it within the numbers of our income. So the next question I wanna ask and answer is what's the bad news? I mean, what is the bad news? Anytime you start talking about budget cuts, any place at any level, then you know that those budget cuts do not remain faceless and they do not remain painless. And so anytime you start talking about budget cuts, of course, what you try to do is you try to pray and you try to weigh out, okay, what is the balance here between what can we reduce our budget by or in what areas? And then uh, the greater question becomes to how do we remain faithful stewards and responsible uh, in what we are doing? Okay, so back several months ago when it became fairly evident that this reality might indeed come to fruition, uh, then we sat down and we started writing cont contingency plans. What will we do if those large contributions do not come in? Well, uh, this is where we get to, all right? And I wanna tell you, some of these things have already been implemented. Some of them we're still talking through and just want you to know with all transparency what is going on in the Department of Missions. Well, I'm very thankful to be able to say that up to this point, and, and presently it is not called for to decrease any missionary salary. That means the ones who are fully funded, um, any American missionary salary. So, so anybody who is fully funded, uh, still out of the general fund, and we have about 15 to 16 missionaries that, that were pre-2010, they still get all of their salary out of the general fund. They have not been decreased. The 65, 35 missionaries, their salaries have not been affected. And so we're very thankful to be able to say that up to this point, the American missionary salaries have not been affected. First level of our cuts has been in the area of what we call non-essential spending. Non-essential spending means that it's basically all of the extras that we spend out of our general fund for language school and passage and, and children's education fund and, and visas and paperwork and, and, and all of those kind of things like that. All of that has been frozen. And, and all of that combined over a 12-month period is about a $300,000 cut in our budget. Now, these are temporary cuts in order to get us within our numbers so so we can uh, indeed rein it in, but these are areas that all must be reinstated as soon as uh, our financial picture improves, and so uh, we've made that. In North America, uh, we cut about $70,000. Of course, our North American budget is not nearly as large as our international budget, and the North American budget does not affect salaries, but it does affect things like assessment, training, uh, travel, some of those things like that are affected. Now internationally, some of the contingencies that were written and some of the cuts that have already been implemented or either are in the process of being implemented would include uh, the national salary line item. Just a few years ago, the national salary line item in our budget was probably somewhere around 1.3 to 1.4 million dollars. And this is something that we have been trying to address over the last few years because quite frankly, this is very unhealthy for us. Missiologically, 
in our missions philosophy, when we started paying open-ended salaries to national missionaries, it certainly put our general fund in a very, very, very precarious position. And it created for us a heavy burden. Well, for the last few years, we've not been adding national missionary salaries to that list. We have actually been decreasing that amount. And, and with the cuts that we've made over the last few years, uh, and also the cuts that we're going to implement this year, uh, not quite half from the 1.3 million, but we're getting close uh, to halving that amount in our national salary list. Now, what does that mean? That means this. That means that if national missionaries are leaders in a respective country in our missions organization, they will not be affected. If they are a national missionary that has left their homeland to go do ministry in a different country, they will not be affected by these cuts. If they are a national missionary serving in their own country, they will receive a decrease in their support by 20% just across the board. And so that 20% decrease will alleviate our budget this year by an amount of about approximately $200,000. And remember, we're working on a projected $1 million deficit is what we're trying to pare down here. So uh, that, all of that is going on. All of that is taking place. Uh, those national missionaries have been notified. Now, the, the, the reality is that as a missions organization and as a philosophy of ministry, we need to practically get away from paying open-ended open salaries to nationals. Uh, we need to get away from that, except in the case, as we stated, of leadership structure and those who leave their country to go to another country. Why? Well, because it creates dependency. And we do not want to create dependency. We want to facilitate multiplication. And unfortunately, sometimes the very systems we implement uh, choke the life out of the things we're trying to accomplish. And this has been one that we've been battling with for a while. And so even in the midst of negatives, there are some positives. And so what we need to do is not quit supporting nationals. Absolutely never quit planting churches. What we need to do is instead of paying open-ended salaries, we need to give a three to five year grant or stipend for a church planting project and partner with our national brethren to plant churches and help them plant churches in their countries, but not do it for them, do it with them. And so this will also, of course, have financial, uh, have financial uh, repercussions as well. And as far as our general fund is concerned, it will be a positive, all right? Well, uh, I think a legitimate question to ask is what's going on right here in the Global Ministry Center? Okay, so that was the 16-minute segment that I wanted you to see first before we uh, open it up to uh, some questions, and please send your texts in. My number is 636-629-2526. Uh, if you'll do that, that way we won't have dead time on the uh, radio program when it goes out as a podcast or MP3, whatever it does. I took notes, uh, so this is the third time that I've listened to this, and so I took notes this afternoon, uh, preparing for this time, because there is a whole lot of things said that most of you probably, you've never heard it before. Without it, charts and graphs, it's difficult it, it just is to difficult. hear it. It is a pie, it. you need a yeah, pie, man. Yeah. So, by raise of hands, uh, this whole 65-35 thing is a little bit of a question mark. Anybody? Nobody? Okay, Brother Larry, wonderful. So that simply is a quote-unquote new way to fund missionaries to get the 65% alleviation of the general fund. So now, and we're talking about North American missionaries. So we're talking about Canada and the United States. So when a person comes on, he understands that only 35%, let's just say that he, uh, that the, the, the uh, BMA is offering a $45,000 a year salary. 
So 35% of that will come from the general fund of the Baptist Missionary Association Mission Fund. The other 65%, he has to go to our churches and raise it. And they do it quite well. They truly do. A common complaint was, well, if you send these guys to the churches and ask for support, you know, 200 a month, 100 a month, 500 a month, whatever the case may be, that's naturally going to bring down what they send to the association. Hasn't happened, and that's what he was trying to say. The, the 6535 has not been a hit on our uh, budget. Then um, the uh, integration. Did, was there any question mark for anybody when he talked about the integration? Anybody? Because I'm trying to determine if I need to go through this for you. Our departments used to be scattered over three-state area. Now they're in one city, so they have integrated. Rich Hoff, that sat in that fifth pew for eons, tried to get them to do that 30 years ago, and it was the stupidest idea that anybody <laughs> has ever heard of type thing among the preachers and the department leaders at the time. Because you know why? The man that lived in Texarkana didn't want to move to Conway. The man that lived in Little Rock didn't want to move to Conway. Well, so we just kept maintaining three separate large buildings, kept paying insurance on all three. You know, ridiculous. And so finally, all of a sudden, one of their own people got the brilliant idea that, why, why don't we just all get together in the same... <gasps> Wow, you're so smart. Stewardship. Yeah, and so I have felt it my personal calling in life to stick a dagger in their ribs every time and say, you realize that you made a layman feel like an idiot when he brought that up on the national floor. Oh, well, 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 well. <laughs> so anyway, I've been man faithful to Rich's memory. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man before his time. What's that? Two feet out, you're a leader. Twenty-five feet out, you're a martyr. <laughs> uh, the problem was that Rich was trying to apply common sense to a bunch of preachers. That, that, business. Yeah, uh, business, business. You bet. Human. So, um, what else here? Uh, I got a couple questions. Talk to me. And again, without seeing the numbers and just hearing them, I thought he said they had $10 million in offerings. Is that, is that right? That is our yearly budget overall that is okay. counting what the churches do about 2.5 and then the so you know the what is that 7.5 yeah. comes from other sources and, and so yeah about okay. 10 million a year is our national missions okay. and and so i get i take it that we're getting still getting some of those a smaller portion of what yes. they're receiving prior Abs from the absolutely um, for, for instance oil and Fuel industry. Right. There's a man in Magnolia, Arkansas, that it's well purported and, and known that he makes a check for $3,000 a week, and it goes to the missions department. Well, I did the math, and that's $156,000 a year. And, and that was like when I was in college was the $3,000 amount. I dare say that has went up precipitously because mm. it's a tithe. It's a tithe. With that said, um, apparently that has went down, okay? And I don't think he's sure. the only guy that, that is in the gas and oil business that's been giving uh, these offerings. But, but, but he, he, is, he is the one that most people are aware of. We're, we're seeing an end of a boom, I we, guess. We absolutely oil are. Oil and gas industry. Yeah, you think that the cattle industry would make up the difference there? Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let, me, let me try to read this text here. Um, what he's trying to communicate to us is, is that they have a plan, and they're going to try to uh, accomplish this plan, but it's not going to be painless. I thought that was very good. He said that these, these situations aren't faceless, and they're not painless. Um, I will tell you, in, in national missionaries, simply put, that is... Uh, indigenous people. So uh, if they go to, um, let's pick a country here. Bolivia. Bolivia. And they win Carlos to the Lord. 
and Carlos gets baptized, and Carlos gets discipled, then Carlos surrenders to preach, and before you know it, Carlos wants to go out and start a church, and so the BMA comes along and ordains him, and in the you know recent past, we would have said, hey, and how about a you know $200 a month stipend type thing, and, and what John David Smith is saying now is, is that you know, in hindsight, that probably wasn't the best practice uh, because th these folks have become dependent upon that. Uh, one of my concerns when I was on the advisory committee of this association department was that some of these guys, in my humble opinion, had figured out that if they could get into America, go to the, ne to the seminary and become, you know, a doctor and then find some of his people in America and start ministering to them, he would become a full-fledged American-paid missionary. Sure. Well, I'm sorry if you can make $45,000 a year here or go to Bolivia and make 200 a month. Guess what you're going to do? <laughs> All of a sudden, you're called, you know, type thing. And I, I, I would not say that they're not as much as I believe we opened the door there to this phenomenon. And... and in my humble opinion, the, he chose his words carefully that those that have left their home to go to a, another country, well, that could be America. Sure. You know, and, and in my humble opinion, sooner or later, we're going to have to address that. Uh, could, go ahead. Could you explain what he meant by open-ended salaries? I didn't get He kept using that phrase, open-ended. Yeah, yeah. So, sure so in other words, th th there's no... There's no because uh, he, he said the, the, the answer to that is a grant for a specific uh, amount. Closed-ended. Gotcha. Closed-ended. Sorry. The light bulb went on. Yep. Uh, you're going to get $5,000 from us, and then you're on your own. Got it. And we do that with our, uh, Nash, with our inter, uh, interstate? North American interstate missionaries. We tell them you've got five years on the 65, 35, and then after that, you're on your own. You know? And, and, and that... Now... That may sound cutthroat and, and rough. There is no other association that we are aware of that gives that good of a program type, type thing. Uh, it is my understanding, and I may be incorrect, but it's my understanding that the Southern Baptist, it's two to two and a half years on quote-unquote on, on salary. Support, yeah. Yeah, support. So um, what else here? Any you guys, you're not blowing up my phone, so I assume everything you, you understand everything completely. Uh, I've, before we go to the next clip, and it's a much shorter clip, uh, let's do a little uh, advertising here. If you have not turned in your uh, BLT syllabus, please do so, and please do one. So, after I missed yet another turkey this morning. Uh oh. I'm thinking seriously, Brad, that we need to get some of our more successful hunters to offer a hunting rehab. <laughs> I need to go to hunter's rehab. I, I do. I've, Remedial I've, course. And yeah. Reme oh, my goodness. I need to start over. <laughs> I, I, need, I need to be broken down, have my and cathartic moment, again. cry, <laughs> and then start over. I need them to build me up. I, I'm serious. Um, but anyway... Uh, Bethel orientation. If, if you are looking at Bethel for a home church, we would love for you to come to our orientation. See David or Tracy Mills. That is this Sunday, the 24th. April 28th to the 30th is the men's annual fishing trip. If you've uh, got desires in that area, talk to Jeff Watson or Bob Rapold. April 30th, you're invited to celebrate with Stephen Pam Johnson's 30th anniversary at Friendship Family Center. Uh, May 1st, you're invited to a bridal shower in honor of Miss Leah Adams, 2 to 4 p.m. here at Bethel. Uh, Mother's Day baby dedication, if you've got a baby to dedicate uh, or you're new to our church and you want to dedicate your child, we would love for you to do that on Mother's Day. Homecoming is May the 15th. That's a big uh, day for us. We have uh, a Southern Gospel group come and sing at both services, and then we share vittles with each other uh, in that afternoon. May the 18th, Awana Barbecue and closing at Orchard Park. All right. You got to take it or leave it, Brother Gavin? I do, but it seems Here. like such a sh gear shift that 
Brad, if you want to put up the article, some of you may have heard that Target changed its policies, uh, bathroom policies today. Have you heard this? Yeah, I, yes. So, so now they're whatever you, whatever gen, gender, whatever you gender you identify, identify with, with, you can go, you can go into, into that, that bathroom. Restroom. Right. So, I'm just gonna say, you can be so open-minded, your brains fall out. Yeah. I'm just saying. Did you see the one from Kurt Schilling? No. <laughs> it's on the Blaze, and there's this picture of a, of a fellow, bless his heart. It's kind of scary, and it basically says. Do you want this man going in the oh, bathroom yes. with, with your daughter, <laughs> wife, or mom? Yikes. Yikes. Uh, okay, so, Brad, is that you telling us to hurry up? or <laughs> Time's up. <laughs> All right. Um, take it or leave it. If you miss as many turkeys as I do, you may need Hunter's Rehab. There you go. All right, so let's play that other clip, Brad, and then we'll talk a little bit about that, and then we're going to talk about Decision America. Well, uh, I can tell you, nobody here, as far as directors in the missions department, nobody here has had a raise in the last six years. Maybe other than the what we call the the uh, the raise that's just to, just to offset a little bit inflation raise, we call it, you know. But nobody's had a real definitive raise here in five or six years. Also. We have terminated two full-time positions as part of these contingencies. Now, they will have to be replaced by part-time workers or else we will not be able to function very well. So, uh, but replacing the two full-time positions with part-time people uh, will alleviate the general fund about $60,000 a year. And so those are cuts that, that we, simply, we simply had to make. And so now, here in the missions department, we are down, other than directors, we're down to three full-time office personnel and two part-time personnel. So I hope that you understand that certainly we are tightening our belts here as well and, uh, and trying to get by uh, with the, the, the minimum amount of expense that we possibly can here as far as the daily operations. One last area I want to talk about uh, that is a very delicate conversation uh, it is uh, it is a very is a very difficult uh, conversation to have for us uh, but it's one that that obviously when we start looking at our current financial situation is something uh, as as everything else there's nothing that we can simply close our eyes to and at least not consider now please hear me very very carefully on this point what I'm about to tell you all the things before that I have mentioned to you here, have been implemented or in the process of being implemented. What I'm about to mention to you is still definitely under consideration and exactly what are we going to do? We have made no final decisions, but I think in the sake, uh, for the sake of transparency and, and, and being very open to you, you need to understand some of these things. Well, uh, the category that I'm talking about that is very difficult and delicate is the retirement age missionaries that we have in the BMA. Uh, we, we presently have seven uh, missionaries or leaders in our global missions program that are well beyond the retirement age, and one or two of them would, would argue that they're not well beyond retirement age, but they're all, they're all, uh, they're all beyond retirement age, and they still get a salary from our general fund. Well, uh, we do not have a minimum retirement age in the BMA, and that's not what this conversation's about tonight. But I do want you to know that, that this group uh, of people are very fruitful. They're very faithful. That's not the question here. That's not even the issue whether or not that's taking place. They are all icons in, in BMA missions history and BMA missions present reality as well. So that's why it's very delicate and difficult. And so the conversations have taken place to talk to these retirement age missionaries, to ask them what their exit strategy is. And of course, I think that we would all agree. We've got we've to honor these men. We've got to treat them with respect. But also, we've got to look at the other side of the coin and know that it can't be our church's responsibility to perpetually uh, finance them. Uh, on and on and on with, with absolutely no parameters. And so where will that end? I don't know. But I can tell you that, that, that just that one category 
uh, with all the benefits and everything is almost a half million dollars of our budget. And remember what I said. So a half a million dollars of our budget is 20% of the entire amount our churches give to BMA Global Missions every year. So obviously it's an area we've got to address. We're not going to abandon anybody. Uh, we actually have, have started having conversations with those retirement age missionaries themselves and we're trying to allow them to have a voice and to help us know, okay, how can we allow them to continue doing what they do but alleviate our general fund at the same time? Um, but basically he's telling you that they're looking at everything. And I, I would beg to differ. Okay. And I, I'm, gonna, I'm approaching this from a business stand, yeah. standpoint. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> So whenever you have a downturn in revenue, you, you, it seems like as Christians, we run to the defense. We run to where can we cut, where can we cut, where, how can we make it fit because we have less funds instead of looking to where we can increase our revenues. So instead of turning on the offense, we often turn to the defense. And in the business world, if you want to survive, you have to look at how you're making your money. If, you're, if there is a, an untapped need in your the the area around your business or whatever your market is if there's an untapped need that you can do easily that uh, that complements your business so so the same is true with ministry if there's a need out there that we're not meeting we should think about how we can meet that need and then when people when you meet people's needs they you know, the hope is that they give in like kind. Mm -hmm. um, so they meet your needs either financially or some other way. So that they haven't considered. I, I didn't hear in this the whole talk the... Well, the, but my, my statement was in the area of cuts. <clears throat> I, I, that, that, right. yes. It, it, that, they're, that they're willing to look at any area to right. cut. To, and to, that's the first step of right, yeah, right. Uh, uh, coming I, no, to reality. And he did not address it. Not, the, the, the term missiology, I don't know if that went over the head or below the knees with anybody, but uh, it did for me when I, uh, you know, a few years ago. John David Smith has a degree in missiology from Mid-America there in Memphis. And missiology is just simply the study of missions. And so uh, I, I do know that that was one of the things that, he, when he was interviewed, uh, I was on the uh, advisory committee then, and he, he said that we cannot continue to fund the way we've been funding. We've got to find new areas. But he did not mm. mention that. He didn't talk mm. about that. Uh, so, so what are some of those areas that you think that they could tap? So, uh, I mean, I'm obviously not the expert on this, but um, as far as the BMA itself, does it have a, um, a couple's or... Uh, marriage ministry um, point or or, or um, not not association wide you know saying, they a, have a the pastors oasis that that you know reaches out to the couples that are you know pastors pastors wives and such um, pastors families but I'm not aware you know we have the soar for teenagers we have the uh, senior retreat for the teenagers don't got no money though so no they don't the got first no thing money. that came in my head it was but business, they can business. Oh, they don't got any money. Right. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, teenagers. The, uh, so to answer your question, in my humble opinion, no. They do not have a ministry to Do we couples. have an apologetic swing? Nope. Do we have apologetic not, swing? Not that I'm a That's a rave right now. I it, mean, it, it is. As far as ministry goes. Now, what they might say is, is yeah, that's, uh, oh, what's his name? Give, give me a second here. Um, they have a... a a really a moral, moral action agency. Mm -hmm. uh, he is our uh, lobbyist. lobbyist. Yeah. 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 But now I don't think he would say I am an apologist. An apologist. And, and if you ever meet the guy, he's he's very solid. I think he's a physician. He's very solid. And uh, he's got a lot of resources on his website for exactly that. But cool. it's more related to the United States yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and uh, backing the, the, the political scene. You bet. You know. Yeah. So, so apologetics um, in business world, apologetics in, in, uh, on college campuses, um, you know, 
So, but, but in, do, in that do you think, program. you know, if John David was sitting right here, would he say, yeah, but that, that's not that's not our mission. Our mission statement is to plant churches. True. You see what I'm saying? Right. Uh, right. But, I mean, I agree with you, but, but I, I think that's what he would, yep. you know, battle that so with. So even a, a church plant like, uh, I'm forgetting his name right now, um, he was Jamie wor Jones. Wor worked with uh, the uh, Purpose Driven Life guy. Um, oh, uh, Brandon Cox. So a church like that, I mean, church planting like that, I mean, that, that's a new model for the BMA. Very to, much to, so. Uh, Very much uh, so. Plant churches that way. <laughs> a successful and church plant is a new model for the Baptist Missionary. Ouch. I'm just telling you this for absolute sure. So, so uh, I mean, that's, you know, we, we've got somebody there that, that could be serve as a mentor for. Well, um, and, and, yeah, plants. and they are utilizing him big time. They, they, they truly the, are. The other, you know, the other thing is making giving more accessible to people um right like, like bethel's done I mean, right we've, we've given a kind of opened up a electronic uh, venue for right. giving and people in california can give to bethel without um having a mail get an envelope mail it they can get online and, and give uh just on on our website our giving site well we're uh yeah bethel right now is averaging about three thousand dollars a month in online giving Hallelujah. Praise awesome. the Lamb. Awesome. Yeah, good stuff. All right. Well, guys, uh, take a little, little break here. Um, you got a, you got a, any other quippy stuff, Brother Gabe? Yeah. Did you, did you hear that President Obama had a, a conference with some rappers on uh, criminal justice issues? No. Did you hear about this over the weekend? No. Well, during the little meeting, one of the rappers... Somebody popped a, a cap. <laughs> ankle bracelet went off. Oh. <laughs> he was breaking house arrest, I guess. To I be, love be it. But if you're going to break house arrest, to be with the to president... To be with Obama, way, you bet it's worth it. That's good stuff. <laughs> Something is working about the criminal justice system if the guy's bracelet goes off. So I'm just saying. That's another I'm just saying. You're so hateful. <laughs> All right. Terrible. Uh, so, Decision America is May the 17th for the state of Missouri, and, and what is that? So, we've got another clip for you uh, tonight, and it's very short, and it's by Franklin Graham, and he is going to every capital of every state of the nation, and he is asking the Christians in that state to come on that day that he's there, and they're having a prayer rally. It lasts for one hour. It happens at 12 noon here in Missouri at, at Jeff City on May the 17th. I'm working out the logistics. Uh, we're going to leave sometime around 9 o'clock, get back sometime around 3 or 4. Uh, but, but beyond that, I, you can't tie me down yet because I'm just still trying. i got to figure out where we're going to park. i got to figure out how long it's going to take us to walk there. i got to figure out do we need to carry a lawn chair with us, such of that nature. And, um, but he's going to preach to us uh, for about an hour. He's going to pray with us, lead us in prayer, and he's going to challenge you. I'll let him tell you what he's going to challenge you to do. Our country is in trouble. Many people look to capitals like this, whether it's Washington, whether it's state level, they are looking for answers to the problems that they have in life. But I can tell you right now, without God, there's no hope. I'm traveling to all 50 states to hold prayer rallies, calling our nation to God. The most important thing that we can do is pray. We're asking Christians to pray, to vote for candidates that stand for biblical values and engage in your community. I'll challenge Christians to live out their faith at home, in public, and at the ballot box. My only hope is in Almighty God and His Son, Jesus Christ. I believe this next election may be the most important election maybe in the history of our nation. And we can have an impact on this. We're not supporting any candidates. We're not supporting any party. But we want to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. I want people to come to capital steps like this where we're going to pray. And I'm going to preach a gospel message. And I'm going to encourage Christians to stand up and let their voice be heard. So please, get involved in the Decision America Tour. Go to DecisionAmericaTour.com for dates and rallies. All right. Uh... I dare say every person in this room is not thrilled or happy with what's going on in our nation. To someone, we have complained, rightfully so, 
to someone we have expressed frustration in the such. The question is, what are we doing about it? And so, if you're not praying daily for your nation, if we are not praying daily for our nation, we are part of the problem. And if we're not doing anything and everything that is in front of us that we can do to make a difference, we are part of the problem. And so, uh, I, I'm encouraging you. Now, I know most of you, you got a full-time gig uh, job. I understand that. If you can uh, make that day available, we will take, we've got up to three vans, uh, two that we completely trust. <laughs> and, and so with that said, um, we'll be glad to take uh, and, and make a way to get down there and get back. So uh, please feel free to uh, talk to me, but I will be getting the information the Sunday before the 17th, which of course is the 15th. I will have all the details that we need uh, to, that you need to know. So if, if a, you know, I, I look at the candidates and I'm not going to mention any names. You know, you've heard them all and you know where they all stand. But the, the importance of religion and faith to that individual and how they govern is extremely important. If, if a religion, if a religion, if Christianity inspired the founding of our country, how important is it to the maintaining of it? You, you, can't, you can't guide a nation without a, a rock-solid philosophy for how to live, what we're here for, and where we should be going. The mucking up, if you will, the, the, the muddying of the water of the rock-solid foundation faith of our founding fathers has caused an erosion of uh, morals and an erosion of that rock-solid uh, anchor because most people today, they don't have a clue, number one, where our founding fathers stood, and they have believed the lies that 95% of them were womanizers and, and fill in the blank. The reality is, is that if you read the historical writings that are still available to us, any, most of them, you could even turn that statistic around, some 93% of them could be Sunday school teachers here or pastors here or Bible uh, theologians, whatever the case may be. I think 50% of them, a high percentage of them had theology degrees. Right, right. They started the Bible societies mm -hmm. that are, some of them are still Benjamin in existence Rush. today, right? I mean, they, they were godly men uh, and, and just amazing. Now, uh, so when you get into that argument many times, they'll use that against you too. Well, yeah, but they suppressed women and they, you know, they had slaves. And, I, and you can get mired down in that. Once again, the key is, is that have you read their writings? Have you read what they truly believe? And I would contend that was the constant application of Christian influence that got us through those, that, right. that, that righted right. those wrongs. You so. better believe it. You better believe it. Well, guys, uh, we're not going to sit here and bore you uh, more than we already have. Uh, that's the material that, that we had. Uh, you got anything to add, Dr. Hooks? I got nothing. You got nothing? All right. Y'all pray for my turkey hunting, would you? <laughs> uh, Thanks, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Pray for Tara, Sadie, and John. Stay in history Death has beaten you